This is a podcast for curious readers. Hey there, podcast people. Welcome back to another episode of Book Pros. On this episode, it will just be me, Kristen. Um, and I'm going to take you through some of my most recent favorite contemporary fiction titles um, and one that is coming out in October that I have just finished and I absolutely loved it. Um, so it will be out October 4th and we'll get to that later in the episode and I'll let you know how you can pre-order that too. Uh, but first, before we get into my recommendations, a couple of uh, notes and updates from the shop. First up on October 2nd at 2 p.m., we have a pre-release party with Adam Perry, a local author, with for his new um, middle grade book called Ghosts Come Rising. And it is just in time for the Halloween season. Uh, it takes place in the 19th century, like mid 19th century. And uh, it takes place around the spiritual movement um, or the religious movement called spiritualism that spread across the Amer America at the time. So we're going to have an event with Adam Perry. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you go to our website uh, and click on the link for the Ghost Come Rising um, author event on October 2nd. If you get our uh, email newsletter, you can also just click on the little widget within the uh, newsletter and that'll take you right to the RSVP page where you can fill out how many people are attending um, and if you want to, to pre-order any of the a copy of the book and so that's gonna be a really great time so make sure you check that out and secondly uh, we are also hosting with Black Cat Yoga in Lidditz um, we are hosting an indie bookstore yoga and that is going to take place on the first Friday of every month at 8.30 a.m. right inside Aaron's Books. We're partnering with Black Cat Yoga uh, to offer this and we're really excited about it. The cost is $20 a person and you can register at our website aaronsbooks.com. If you get our email newsletter, you can also uh, just click on the little widget. It'll take you right to the Evite page where you can sign up and reserve your spot. Um, for indie bookstore yoga every the first Friday of every month at 8:30 a.m. and Black Cat Yoga. If you're not familiar with them, they're a wonderful uh, they're a wonderful yoga place in town that um, offers accessible yoga for all body types and all ability levels. And so we're we're bringing that uh, into the bookstore for the first Friday of every month. You'll also get 30 minutes about about of private shopping time inside the shop after your yoga. Uh, is completed and then um, we'll have some tea it'll just be a fun time so make sure you check that out as well by going to our website and other than that I think that is it we're gonna jump right into uh, more of me talking about contemporary um, titles that I've really loved recently that I think everyone maybe not everyone but you know I think a lot of more people should be reading okay let's get to it All right, so I have, um, for this iteration of this conversation, I have right next to me here about four titles, um, actually five, including the one that I gave to Lindsay. So five titles, th four of these are already out and you can um, purchase them or order them at our website, aaronsbooks.com, or you can call the shop or of course you can come in. Uh, but these are some of my favorites. So we're gonna, I'm just gonna start and uh, jump right in. So the first one 
um, is called Booth. Like like the like the famous booth that you're thinking about. That is what it is about. Um, it's by Karen Joy Fowler, and this one was just released in March of this year. Uh, so it is a relatively new title. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It is a very well-researched historical fiction, and I I do love historical fiction. I get tired of it um, here and there sometimes, just because sometimes I read like a bunch of historical fiction all at one time, and then I'm like, okay, that's enough of whatever time period I'm in, and I have to change to something different. But I loved this one. It takes place, obviously, um, Civil War during the Civil War, um, but it's it's not specifically about John Wilkes Booth, which is why I think I loved it so much. It's more about his family and his family system and his father who was uh, from England and who was an actor and their struggles as far as like, you know, having a lot of small, having a lot of children, he and his wife and um, his struggles as an actor. And then it kind of follows the children as they grow up and how they took their parents, as we all do, you know, you take, you take the, the lifestyle that your parents gave you, you take the uh, lessons that your parents taught you and you, you start to apply them. And so it kind of tracks how the different children did that in their lives, including John Wilkes Booth. And, but more specifically, it looks a little bit more at like the, um, the fissures that happen in families when there are political differences and there are, you know, um, high stakes politics happening and war happening and, um, differences of opinions happening and all of that within a family context. And I just found it fascinating and weirdly, um, relevant, which was both really cool, but also a little depressing. Um, but I, yeah, I really, really loved it. It was, it was good. It's a slower read. It doesn't, it's not like a fast one. It's one that took me, um, a little bit longer to get through than I normally do, but it's because it's so dense and rich in history. I learned quite a bit, um, about the times and about, um, all that led up to Booth shooting Lincoln um, at Ford's Theater and, and all of that. So it's very, very fascinating. And um, I didn't know that before. I actually Googled it because while I was reading it, there's one of the chapters that follows one of the brothers in the story talks about how one of John Wilkes Booth's brothers actually saved, um, I want to say Tad Lincoln, one of Lincoln's kids at a train station. He like pulled him back from getting like crushed by a train at one point. Um, and that is, that is true. That is something that actually happened. I thought that was fascinating. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot reading it and it was really good. So really well-researched historical fiction, but also um, oddly relevant to, you know, a lot of what's going on in our current political climate and our current culture and within our families too, like, you know, political conversations, religious conversations, um, all of that is quite heated at the moment. So really good one. Um, highly recommend. I, it's great. I should have like a rating system, like thumbs up or stars or something. If I ever come up with something like that, I'll incorporate it, but it would be too random to make any sense if I just do it now. Okay, next next title. All right, the next title um, I have is called The Truth About Ben and June by Alex... Alex? <laughs> Alex uh, Keister or Keister? I'm not 
quite sure how to pronounce that. It came out in June of this year, and it is a really good a contemporary fiction um, story of a young married couple. They fall in love and they have that, you know, new love feeling of like, um, this is meant to be and we're meant to be together. And the story really is about the struggles of being a new parent. So it's this really loving relationship. They have a baby and it's kind of a really um, honest look at the the joys and trials of being a new parent and the way it shifts everything, um, especially for mothers. And I, both uh, the mother and the father perspective are in this story. So um, you meet Ben and you meet June and they love each other and they're in love with each other. They have this beautiful little baby that they just absolutely love. But then at one point, um, Ben, the husband, wakes up to find that his wife, June, has disappeared. And he is absolutely shocked. He had did not see any of it coming. And then the story kind of unravels a little bit and you learn more about June and you can feel the isolation of her being home and being a new mom. She gave up a career as a dancer and a ballet dancer and she misses that she loves her husband and she loves her child but she misses the life that she had and that she feels like maybe she's missing a little bit of and um, it delves deeper into her every day and her trying to make sense of herself as a new mother and who is she now and what does she want and the interplay of um the husband and the wife's relationship, even in the most modern of marriages, there still is expectation of each other. There's expectation of what role are you going to fill now in this family as a, as a mom and my wife, or as my husband and my and the father, and all of these cultural and societal expectations that are placed on us um, as new parents, and you just are forced to kind of figure it out and you're also kind of taught that there is a, a right way to do it or a wrong way to do it. And so all of this like, you know, parental shame and guilt and um, feeling like you're never fully doing the best job you can at anything in life because you're always divided. You're divided by, you know, your love for this child and all of that the a newborn child and a young child needs, which is all of your time and energy and what that means as a human being. And so it's a really good, really honest look at um, starting a family and and just all of the interplay between the expectations we put on new parents, um, all the things we don't say to new parents, you know, to watch out for when you're in those first few months and years that are very beautiful and joyful, but also very hard. Um, and this book kind of lays that out. It was it was really wonderful. I mean, I'm my daughter's now in kindergarten, and so we're we're a little bit farther out of this, but I remember feeling a lot of the feelings that June the mom had in this um, in this book and not to the degree that she has them but I think even if you can't understand her leaving um, you can understand you most moms I feel like can understand the feelings behind the decision decisions that she made and you can really 
root for her and at the same time still root for the husband because he in this is he's so blindsided by it but as he uncovers all of this stuff that has been happening and all of the things that his wife has been struggling with as he's been taking on the role of breadwinner and you know tired dad and doing all the things that a modern dad does um he missed a lot of warning signs in his wife he missed a lot of things that um he just didn't know she was struggling with. And so I think it's a really good uh, conversation starter too amongst, you know, moms and dads to figure out like the division of labor and, you know, who, where are you struggling and the importance of having open conversations about all of that too. It was a really beautiful book and um, it's definitely a, uh, I don't want to say it's a dark read. It's not really dark because it, it is um, uplifting at the end. Oh, spoiler alert. It's uplifting at the end. June doesn't disappear forever. But um, yeah, it's a really serious topic and, and I, I loved it. I thought it, it spoke very well to what it's like to be a new parent. So um, The Truth About Ben and June by Alex Keister. And yeah, it was wonderful. I recommend it. All right, next up, we have a title from the author Rebecca Morrow, and it, this came out in July of this year, and this is for anyone who was also brought up in a fundamentalist Christian church or any kind of like a real fundamentalist church that you uh, grew up in where purity culture was a big deal. Um, I grew up like that, and... Uh, so this novel, I kind of picked it up because I liked the, um, cover, <laughs> which I'm guilty of doing. I, I know they say don't judge a book by its cover, but honestly, I judge every book by its color, <laughs> color, <laughs> cover. Most of us at the bookstore do. We'll just, you know, either we really love the art or, you know, something just draws you in. So I picked this up because I just thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then I read the book the description of it and I was like oh yeah I think I I think I should probably read this so um yes so it's a modern day uh telling of a story of two um characters who grow up in a fundamentalist church so Corinne is she's kind of like the black sheep of the church because she is not from like you know good stock her mom is questionable morals and her her parents are kind of a train wreck and um, her family is just kind of always needing help from from other people and so this church that they that's in their town kind of takes them under their wing and gives them a place to live and helps them out but they're never quite um part of the church community like everyone else is and she builds a new life for herself um within this kind of uh setting and she meets a boy named Enoch his name's Enoch Miller and he she, they just kind of that awkward teenage you know falling in love um but put that under the umbrella of fundamentalist religion and purity culture and you know everything's a train wreck so they the short story the short version is Enoch and Corinne lose their virginity to each other and this story is kind of about how the fallout of that of what happens to Enoch what happens to Corinne spoiler alert Corinne gets kicked out of the church and Enoch is fine <laughs> you know as women everywhere will know how that story goes um and it's 
the, the story follows them throughout their adulthood and kind of where their lives go. So it follows Corinne and, and her making her own independent life for herself and leaving the church behind and deciding that she does not need a church to tell her um, how to live a good and kind and meaningful life. And then that is intertwined with Enoch's story, who um, stays in the church, gets married young, but his marriage does not end up working out very well for him. And they meet back up years later. And everything that comes from that about, you know, how how deeply ingrained um, these kinds of moral rules are in their town and in their society and about he, how even as adults it's they're still not free to have the type of love and family and relationship that they want and how about how the church gets in the middle of what they um you know their plans to be together and and um partner together and their families as well it's a really good story kind of um deconstructs a lot of the silent um, lessons we were taught as, you know, young children, as, as teenagers about um, ourselves, our bodies, our sexuality, what is permissible, what is not, what is normal, what is not, um, the expectations on boys and girls to varying degrees in, in that type of culture. I, I found a lot of it uh, very familiar uh, because again, that's how I was brought up, and and so some of it was very specific to where this is set and the and the type of church it's set in as well. So not everything was super familiar, but but it was really good. It's a very um, it's a it's a steamy read. There there is really um, erotic scenes in it as well, and um, because when you're talking about human sexuality and purity culture. Um, that all of that gets left out of those conversations very often. Um, erotic stories and all that kind of stuff just is not just is not part of the language of people that are in, within that um, community. So I really loved it. It's a different kind of read. It was a very fast one. This one was a pretty fast read, um, really easy to go through quickly. And I recommend it for anyone who um, is like a deconstructing Christian or um, even if you have never been to church, it's still a really good read because it kind of grapples with the morality of, um, yeah, the morality of being a human being and being a human being who has to make choices about their lives, whether you're within a um, fundamentalist church or not, or whether you're an atheist or you're whatever. So I really loved it. It was a quick read. It's an unconventional love story. Um, and it is a love story. And spoiler alert again, it does have a relatively happy ending. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's an emotional read. I, I found it very healing and um, very well written. So I highly suggest it for anyone who thinks that might be something they'd be interested in. So yeah, Corinne by Rebecca Morrow. Highly recommend. <laughs> uh, two thumbs up. No, four stars. Uh, ten, ten smiley face emojis, whatever you want to give it. Are you curious about what tarot is and what it can do for you? Well, we are offering a small group class on how to read tarot cards. Alexis will walk you through the major archetypal language of tarot, introduce major and minor arcana card symbolism, and show you some basic spreads that you can use to read tarot for yourself at home. Each participant will leave with resource materials and their very own new tarot deck. 
So join us on October 4th by going to our website to reserve your tickets, www.aaronsbooks.com. All right, and one of my most recent favorites is a is a book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow uh, by Gabrielle Zevin. And this came out also in July of this past summer. And I think it was the Indie Next, it was the Indie Next pick for the month of July as well. And I can't tell you how much I loved this book. Um, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. And so this story takes place like right in the sweet spot of my childhood. And it centers around uh, well, it's a it's a very human story, but it centers around kind of the the explosion of um, the di- our digital lives, like uh, you know, video games, Nintendos, you know, kids getting Segas, Nintendos, and all that stuff when I was very small, um, and yeah. So the story takes place. It really revolves around two main characters. There's a character named Sam, um, who was raised in LA in, uh, Koreatown and Sadie, who is, is, was raised in Beverly Hills. And she, she comes from a more wealthy family. Sam comes from a more like working class family. And Sam has some tragic things that happen in, in his childhood. And he and Sadie kind of just, um, happen they chance into being friends um there is a little bit of a secret involved in that that sam doesn't find out till later and it kind of breaks up their friendship for a while but they become friends um and they mainly become friends via video games gaming together so they as video game technology progresses so do they they eventually become uh, video game designers so if you've ever seen like um that show with Lee Pace and um, Halt and Catch Fire. If you've ever seen that series from a, from a bunch of years ago, it feels very much like a version of that, which is probably one of the reasons why I loved it, because I also love that show. Or um, the other one is um, more recently mythic quest on uh, i want to say apple tv but i don't even know if that's right um but if you've ever seen that show or know what it is it's a, a similar conceit to that you know you have these two like very different personality um people and they challenge each other they spur each other on to really great work um but they also have a really hard time communicating with each other and they have a hard time um, dealing with their past and with their emotions. But all of it is told through this lens of the 80s and 90s and the explosion of the digital world. Um, And while they can find intimacy with each other through gaming and through creating games and making these um, virtual digital worlds that that kind of work out a lot of their emotional needs and a lot of their emotional um, demons, I guess, for lack of a better word, they just can't seem to find that intimacy in their real everyday lives. And so it kind of takes you on this journey of this friendship through uh, through the decades up till, you know, current day. And it, it was a really beautiful story. It was nostalgic for, for me, just 
<laughs> just reading certain things. I just think, yeah, 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 I remember that. I remember when my neighbors got their first, you know, the first Sega or the first Nintendo in our um, in our neighborhood. And, you know, kids would go over to each other's houses to play because we didn't we didn't have one. I think we rented <laughs> we rented a Nintendo, um, an old 8-bit Nintendo from our video rental store. We, my parents used to do that every once in a while on on like over a weekend and we would be able to play like super mario brothers and whatever but only for only for like two days and then we'd have to give it back <laughs> i forgot about that but yeah um so it, it kind of takes you through all that so for a certain segment of us who are of a certain age <laughs> some of this it'll be really nostalgic um but I think you can read it even if even if you're not a child of the 80s and 90s, even if you're not a gamer, it still is a really beautiful story about um, friendship and relationships and, um, you know, emotional intimacy, about creativity. It's, it's about fame, you know, they kind of become, um, they kind of become really famous and, you know, a la Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and the the division that can happen between creative minds and analytical minds or, or, you know, however that plays out. Um, it was, it was such a good, such a good book. And I really recommend it. I gave my copy to, uh, Lindsay that works at the bookstore as well. Cause I know she's also into gaming and I thought she'd be really into it, but, um, so, I mean, it, I don't often give away books that I love, but this was one that I just thought like, oh my gosh, like somebody else has to read this and, and know how good it is because I just loved it so much. And we've had it in the store. Um, we've had it in the store since it's been released. And so we keep ordering it back in, but it really is great. You you see both sides of the characters and, and why they have the, the problems that they have and why they have the issues with each other that they have. And you just keep rooting for them to like, finally see it and and finally just kind of let go of their past and just you know embrace what what is in real life and you root for them to do that and it's it's yeah you don't even have to love video games uh it is it's a really good book and i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it It it's one of those ones that like i just every time i had to put it down which is a lot because i have a small child and so i don't get a lot of uninterrupted time to, to read um but every time you put it down your mind just kind of stays with the characters and you're just wondering like you know i wonder what they're doing now <laughs> and then when it's over you feel the same way so yeah tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin and uh it's yep 12 12 uh i don't know <laughs> I can't. How else do people rate things? Thumbs up. Twelve thumbs up. Sure, whatever. Last but certainly not least is a new title out by uh, the well-known author Celeste Ng. She is the author of Little Fires Everywhere, of Everything I Never Told You, and this is her third novel. It is called Our Missing Hearts, and it comes out October fourth, and it is a um, dystopian <clears throat> future, like near future. Imagine, if you will, that um, America is a racist country. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I can't. It's yeah. Okay, try again. In this dystopian America, which honestly isn't that dystopian, it feels a little bit too relevant. But anyway, it's um, um, kind of like hand. I, I hate to compare it to Handmaid's Tale because it's it's not like Handmaid's Tale in most ways. There's there's a couple similarities, but 
if that gives you an idea, it's not a religious theocracy in this. It is more um, um, kind of like Christian nationalist groups who um, they've decided that because of what they, in the story, they refer to as the crisis, which seems to be like a combination of um, an economic and um, also a little bit not, there, COVID is never mentioned and it doesn't ever come up, but there's something similar that happened. It's never too clear on the details, but like the economy kind of tanks and there are health concerns. And then um, certain certain conservative groups pinpoint that China is the problem and that everything that is happening is because of Chinese. They implement um, something called the PACT Act, which stands for Preserving American Culture and Traditions Act. And so in the story, that um, that act kind of creates like almost like a police state kind of where you know, you have like a very like almost like McCarthyism of the 1950s where people are informing on each other if someone has anti-American views or if they question the powers that be at all, they're reported. Um, but the main the main thing in this is that um, part of the PACT Act is that um, children who are deemed to be living in an unsafe environment and to to the group that is in power, unsafe just means anybody with dissenting point of views, points of view. Um, so if, if there are children being raised in a house that, you know, they, they think that pact is detrimental and is harming people, they can come and forcibly remove the children. And that is what happens. So people's, you know, people's children get taken because they get informed upon for having dissenting viewpoints and their children are removed to other homes where you know they can be raised and indoctrinated into what the people in power feel is the right thing um so the story fleshes out to a story of a boy whose name his his given name is um shit <laughs> uh they don't use it much in the story so now i'm blanking on it um Oh, his given name is Noah, but throughout the story, he's referred to as Bird um, because that's what his mom called him when he was still in utero. Um, it made me think when my daughter, before we knew she was my daughter, uh, we called her Cricket because we didn't know what she was. So um, I think a lot of moms do that. They name they name the little one that's in there. Um, anyway, uh, so they he goes by Bird um, in the story and he is living with his father in uh, like a like Boston, like Harvard area, and they live on campus. And he is half Asian because his mom is Chinese. His dad is not, so he's half Asian. Um, and his mom is missing. And you're not really sure at the beginning why you know that um, she's probably part of like a resistance kind of uh, group, but you're never really sure, you know, what why she's missing and why she's gone you just know that she left um and that it's just bird and his dad and his dad is um works for university has access to libraries in this story also um words and books and knowledge are very controlled so you can draw your own parallels there um 
So anyway, so you do find out more about the mom later in the, in the book. But essentially, this story is a, um, a look at our current situation. And it takes, uh, Celeste Ng puts like a twist on it, um, that, which isn't too great of a leap, you know, given in the last six years, we have a lot of an increase in anti-Asian sentiments in our country. Um, not that they haven't been there for decades and decades uh, past. So this takes, um, it takes that anti-Asian sentiment and is kind of like, what if, what if this continues in this direction and and the majority of white America supports it. Um, which, side note, I'm in the middle of watching uh, the new Ken Burns documentary on PBS, um, um, the, U, the United States and the Holocaust, or the U.S. and the Holocaust or something. And if you're not watching that, you absolutely should be. Um, because it gives us a look. I mean, I really, I'm as I'm watching it, and I studied the Holocaust a lot. Like, I took whole classes on it when I was in college, just studying, like, the lead up to the Holocaust and what happened and how did that happen. Um, so if you're not watching that documentary, you, you definitely should check it out because there are, I mean, I'm honestly pissed as I'm watching it because I think, like, why? <laughs> I was taught that our role as America in World War II was, like, the savior, of world war ii we we stepped in and we ended it like kudos to us but that's a i mean that happened but only because we ignored everything for so long not only did we ignore it we actively didn't help <laughs> uh and it goes into the reasons why america didn't get into the war earlier and what the what the cultural understanding was of what was happening the fact that like of course we knew of course we knew what was happening it was in newspapers up to a certain degree degree in the late 1930s early 1940s before germany kind of like shut down any news that was coming out of germany like we knew what was going on and we still were like eh, you know that's their problem and we're not going to get involved because it's not our business and blah, blah blah like there's way more to it than that and and I wish we would have been taught that when I was younger. Um, yeah, because I think we're seeing a lot of we're we're seeing a lot of the same sentiments mirrored now as was happening back then. And so that's just a plug for uh, the new Ken Burns documentary on PBS, uh, which is only tangentially related to this book. Anyway, so anyway, the story of our missing hearts. Um, takes that idea of an America that gets behind these kind of very racially driven um, laws, which is not surprising. <laughs> and not even, not even far-fetched, not even dystopian, really, if you think about it. Um, it just kind of is what's happening. So she takes that and the story is about, I mean, it's about a lot of things. It's, it's about our current culture. It's about race. Um, it's about, it's about the love of a mother for her child and the lengths that she will go to, to protect not only her child, but every child. And, um, God, it was just, it was so good. I cried several times reading it. It's just so beautifully written. Uh, it's just beautifully written and I loved it. And, um, I just, I don't even want to tell you more about it because I just want you to find it and discover it on your own and read it and 
just find out how beautiful it is on your own. It's just is it's just a gorgeous story. So whatever rating you <laughs> I would give this, I don't even know, but I would definitely recommend reading it. Um, you can pre-order it if you go to our website. You can pre-order it. You can call the shop, and we'll uh, we'll reserve a copy for you. It comes out October fourth, and like I said, I just I can't say enough about this about this book. It was by far one of my favorite ones I've read in in the last in this entire year. It was yeah, so highly recommend. <laughs> I say that for all of them, don't I? But I guess that's what this episode is. It is me highly recommending the books that I have loved. Um, so I highly recommend all of them. They all get they all get 10, 10 stars. But, the, but this one especially, because it was just, well, it's the most recent one I read too. But it's also just heartbreakingly real. It's intense. It's thought-provoking. It's heartfelt. It's smart. And it's just beautifully written, like all over. It just, it just is. So, oh, and we are getting a box of signed copies of All Our Missing Hearts. Uh, so those will be available until we run out. So if you want a signed copy, make sure you pre-order your copy sooner rather than later if you're really into that kind of thing. It's also time to start thinking about holiday shopping, believe it or not. Uh, we're anticipating some... Shipping delays uh, from warehouses. So uh, these titles would be great gifts. Any of them that you have heard about on this podcast can be ordered via our website or you can come into the shop or you can call anytime. So just keep that in mind as well. These are all really great books that you could give as gifts. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure you rate us as well. That helps us a lot in podcast ratings and in podcast world. It helps to have some feedback on our podcast, helps other people find us. So please make sure if you haven't done that and you do like us, yeah, only do it if you like us. If you don't, (laughs) then just don't, don't do that step. Just, just pretend like I didn't say that. But if you do like our podcast, make sure you go and uh, subscribe and rate us because that helps us be seen by um, other people who might be interested in a podcast about books and, you know, bookstore things. So that's about it. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, I'm really glad. Uh, Hopefully, if this is something people enjoy, I can do it again, you know, in a month or two when I have more, more titles to share. Until then, we'll see you next week and happy reading. From the people who sell you actual books in a real-life indie bookshop comes a podcast all about books and the love of reading. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Aaron's Books. <laughs>